Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. In this podcast, we are going to interview researchers from Pulse Academia and Industry about their work, thoughts, spectrum, and more beyond that. This is Marwa Edwini, and I hope you will find this podcast useful. If you would like to connect with us, simply send us, and we will be happy to hear from you. And here is my interview. Thanks. Hello. Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. Uh, could you please introduce yourself? Uh, yes, my name's Chris Barrow and I work in uh, radio broadcasting and a bit of news reading as well. Uh, and I'm also interested in gaming and I have a, a gaming podcast called uh, The Naked Gaming Podcast where we look at new games and kind of the science of games as well. So it's a pleasure to be here. Great. So I would like to ask you first about robotics. So. We have here Maury, uh, which is Japanese robotist, and he said, since I was a child, I have never liked it looking at wax figures. They look somewhat creepy to me. So I would like to ask you when you were a child, have you ever think about robots and what that sounds to your imagination as a kid? Yeah, so my first um, experience of robots, I think I, I first thought about it when I saw the film I robot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a film that you've seen. Um, but basically, the concept is that uh, they design uh, robots which have basic laws. So, for example, uh, you know, robots can't harm humans. Mm-hmm. Robots have to, you know, have to always be subservient. And they had all these rules. And that's the first time I properly thought about robotics, robots themselves. Um, but also, I, I've never been a fan of. Uh, wax figures. So mm-hmm. I agree with uh, this Japanese roboticist. I, I think that dolls and, and wax figures are very creepy. Mm-hmm. So to me, uh, I, I'm completely on side here. And I find sometimes mm-hmm. the, the idea of robots quite uh, scary and, and things that sort of happen without human input. Uh-huh. That's interesting. So why is it scary for you? For just uh, why specifically? Specifically, um, I didn't like dolls and clowns when I grew up and mm-hmm. the idea that those disembodied figures could also be programmed to move mm-hmm. uh, it's terrifying <laughs> I don't, yeah. really don't want them to come at me you know when I'm sleeping so that's that's my biggest fear I suppose mm-hmm. yeah so when the first time you heard about robots like real robots and around you it was a yeah. hype at the time yeah I, it, you you it, it, takes me back to childhood i think uh, one christmas we got um it was like um you know like lego meccano it was something you could build mm-hmm. um but it had some programming so you could build for example something that looked a bit like uh, a spider so it had six legs and it had this box in the middle but you yeah. could program each of the individual uh, limbs and legs or whatever to, to move and mm-hmm. that was my first kind of experience of a toy that was designed to have some kind of programming in and it was it was amazing I mean you could program it to walk forwards you could program it to walk forwards then right then left or forwards then left then right and that was the first time I realized that a human could have control and input mm-hmm. over an object and you know in this case it was a Christmas present but it did make me think a bit more about it yeah mm-hmm. so do you have any other robots maybe you built uh, we built um, for example with uh, Lego mm-hmm. and with Carno you could actually rebuild onto this box that we got so we did actually you know try I've tried to build 
a car that would drive and mm. uh, sort of turn and do a lap, uh, which was quite successful actually. Um, and it was it was amazing that you could actually do that. And and you know we're talking, I think about. 20 years ago so even at that time it was quite advanced and especially mm. for the for the home market you know for, for it to be on sale to to people it was yeah kind of astonishing mm -hmm. and what is the feeling you have when you have something that like you can move and go around the robots what kind of I, feeling comes to your mind it was strange it was quite um i suppose you feel quite clever because you've made an object you've bent it to your will. So mm. you've made that object go through the course that you've designed or you've, you've you know, built it from nothing. I mean, obviously, you've had a lot of help from the scientists who actually made the programming so easy to use that a 10-year-old child could could use yeah. it. Um, but still, you feel, you feel clever and powerful, I suppose, were the two things that I'd say. Mm -hmm. So if I ask you how you define a robot from your perspective, because there are mm. different definitions, but from your experience and how you yeah. see around, how you define it? I would say a robot is something that a human can program and have control over, even if it then goes on to seemingly have its own level of control and, and autonomy. I still think that a robot has had a human at its conception and at its origins. Uh, and it's something that you have ultimate control over. So you can, pro like for a laptop, for example, you can program the laptop to start up in a certain way and it obeys commands that a human gives it. So that's that's my feeling of what a robot is, although I'm sure there are many different definitions. Mm -hmm. Great. So if I ask you what is, could be the most mind-blowing robot you have ever seen and the most scary one also mm. around you? So I suppose... You see, I would class things like um, the Alexa that there is nowadays mm. uh, as a kind of robot, although it doesn't move necessarily. You can say, for example, what's the weather? And it will, un it will seemingly understand you and, and tell you what the weather is in your area. Mm. Um, or you can say, you know, what's the capital of Peru? And it will tell you back, oh, it's Lima. I looked that up just to sound clever, mm -hmm. by the way. Um, so, so I find that that kind of thing, speech, uh, robotics, and um, that sort of thing coming back at you, absolutely mind blowing. I think it's a useful tool for people, but um, I don't, I don't use it personally because I find it a bit uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, but when it comes to scary robotics, I mean, you know, when you see huge companies like, for example. Uh, Amazon with mm. their delivery robots and you know you order a package and the robot will go to the correct shelf and bring out the package mm -hmm. and everything gets automatically you know sent to your door essentially I, I find that quite scary actually because Why? well because it's all it's all automatic it's mm. all there is a human input which was it, the, the, the creation of the the, the, the system mm -hmm. but it's still scary that it happens from start to almost from start to finish you know i, I press the buttons on my computer mm -hmm. and then the package arrives at the door and i think that the only human element really is the delivery driver mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's that scares me in a way because you feel like well eventually when the, the driver's taken out of the equation which they're planning on doing with um you know these drones that they're supposed to be able to 
it, deliver things that, you know, drop it at your door almost in the future. Um, I don't know. I, feel, I think that's sad for some reason. I, I, mm. I think it's sad that it's all automatic. But then I'm a hypocrite because I use it. So, so because I, just something very interesting, because you highlight something, you did like the idea that uh, everything is done by robots. But now there is like a stridus in organizations, like to dehumanize the workplace. Mm. And if I would like to ask you, because in China, for example, they have tried to make a robotic uh, anchor woman or man. Do you like yeah. that? Since you are presenting the news and, <laughs> and I think this touches yeah. you so much. Do you like the idea that your co-colleague in, in the news mm. will be a robotic anchor woman or man? I'm going to, I mean, this is a biased answer, as I'm sure you're going to expect here. But I, I think the answer to that question is no. <laughs> and I think the reason why is that humans mm -hmm. like to think that the news is coming from another human mm -hmm. so if if now i would say this though if the robot is so good that it that I, and i don't know that it's a robot and that to me it can convince me yeah. that it is human and i believe that it's a human then i think that that's probably okay and i'd accept the news from a from a robotic newsreader if i was tricked but because If somebody told me this is a robot reading the news, I wouldn't like it because mm -hmm. I like to think that there's some kind of connection to a person, mm -hmm. either that I'm watching on the screen or that I'm listening to on the radio or, or with the podcast, for example. Like I wouldn't like, I wouldn't like a podcast if all of the questions that I'm being asked now were being asked by a robot. It would be, I'd feel like it didn't matter what I said. Mm -hmm. The next question would be automatic. And even if you programmed it to interact with my answer mm -hmm. correctly, if I knew it was a robot, I would find the whole thing an exercise in, in uh, mathematics rather than an interesting conversation. So for me, there is a difference, although I think that difference is the belief. If I believe that it's a human, then I'm interested. And if I believe it's a robot, then I don't want to know. I don't know why that is. Mm, that's a very interesting point. So, if I tell you now, because there's some strides and effort to make robots like resemble human being, and yes. there's like programming emotions. Some people say they we're still away from having a fully intelligent machine or robot like a human being. Still a mm. way to do that. But do you think because some people now and some companies trying to do robots with emotion? Do you agree with this expressive emotion, like uh, when you have a robot have expressive emotion, like sad yeah. or happy? It's still not convincing you because, like movie, like movie here, I think it's more like it's not pragmatic. But some guests say that we can develop emotion towards a robot. Do you think you yeah. can develop emotion somehow with a robot if you if you assume you're lonely? Um, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, and I've seen it happen already. I, I know that humans can think of robots as people, as companions, as friends. And, and if people are happy with that, for example, if you're lonely mm -hmm. and you talk to, nowadays you can, you can have a conversation with your Alexa, your Siri, or whatever it might be. If you're, if you're happy with that and you believe that the response is coming from someone called Alexa and you're happy with it, I don't personally have a problem with that as, mm -hmm. it, as long as it's not damaging somebody as long as you don't can't prove that you know it makes you more isolated mm -hmm. and people have attachments to like for example i've been watching star wars recently and they've released um bb8 
as a as a robot, right? You know, a little thing that you can drive around yourself. And some people get very attached to to these robots, and they think of them as as you know friends, mm-hmm. and they they drive them around and they control them, and they they probably know deep down that it's a robot, but at the same time they're happy to put that human experience into the machine, even though they they know that it's not true in a way mm-hmm. they know that it's only reacting and programmed by a human i don't have a problem with that i think where i do have an issue mm. is where robotics starts to simulate emotions and conversations in order to trick humans into believing that they mm. are real mm. and i this is the hardest this is the hardest question and the hardest point and the one that i'm struggling with the most if, if a robot is so good that I can ask it any question and through the algorithm that's been developed, you know, if I said, how are you doing? And they say, fine. And I say, aha, but what are you doing on Thursday? And they go, I'm not doing anything on Thursday. And I say, well, what's your favorite color? Mm-hmm. All of those answers can be programmed. But mm. if it's the programming is so clever and so amazing, eventually it could be a simulation of, of a human. Mm-hmm. And that's the point where I start to think, if it's so good, what's the what's the difference? I know that one is a simulation and one is a, you know, I'm a human and, and I'm talking to a robot with incredible programming. Mm-hmm. But if the programming is so good, what is truly the difference? And that's the question I find the hardest to deal with. I, I don't know what, I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting point. And I would like to ask you, do you think this could lead like a computation between human and robot if we assume that we, le- we reach a level of intelligence and mm. making a clever programming and algorithm? Do you think this is like a competition because we're losing human, a human quality in that case? Yeah, well, robots are better than humans, like at, at games, at mathematics, at addition. At, they, you can program a robot that will run faster than a human. I mean, I think of cars as a type of robot. You know, my my car has an onboard vehicle, you know, onboard computer. Mm-hmm. It it can move me faster than I can move me. You know, I I, I do think that robots are better than humans at, at almost anything, except for the fact that they are too perfect and that they're probably not creative. And I think that when programming and algorithms fall down is when you ask them to come up with a painting or when you ask them to come up with music and you know i've heard i I did a music degree Mm -hmm. and i've heard music that's composed by robots and Mm -hmm. i've seen performances that are given violin violin performances that are given by robots but the thing the problem with those is that they are subject to the programming of the creator of the artwork Mm. So it, I can't see a situation where a robot could sit down and come up with something new that isn't part of the existing uh-huh. programming, and that's what I think. That's where I think the difference lies. Like, could could a robot compose like Mozart? Yes, you can program a robot to compose like Mozart, but could the robot come up with? The, the compositions that Mozart came up with before anybody else ever did, uh-huh. uh, I don't think it can. So for me, that's, at the moment, for me, that's the, that's the line. That's mm. the difference. That's a very interesting point. I think that's the whole point about uh, general artificial intelligence. And I think there are, there are a lot effort to reach this kind of this point, because I think this is the trick here, or the point yeah. of having intelligent machine. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So if I ask you recently, according what we have from robotics around us, how do you see the progress in our daily life? Well, how it's how it's used on a day to day basis, for example. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think people use um, robotics and programming as an aid to their daily life, for sure. I mean, if you take it in a in a simple form, you know, you have mobile phones, computers. Um, you know, you can program things, even as simple as an alarm to wake you up in the morning. You know, we lean on this technology mm-hmm. on a day to day basis. Um, when it's more complicated is when you're in industry, for example, I see it becoming more and more prominent. I mean, I mentioned Amazon already, but, you know, you see these amazing videos online now of how I saw one the other day about how you make um, it's a biscuit cutter. Mm. So if you want if you want to have a biscuit in the shape of a Christmas tree, for example, yeah. uh, if you look at the machinery and the programming and the, the robotic arms that are involved in pushing the, t- the tin together to create a certain shape and it all happens automatically you know you, you put in your tin shape all the arms come in push it into the shape of a christmas tree and then they sell it to you for 99p mm-hmm. i think it's unbelievable it didn't used to be like that you know even 30 40 years ago so i think it's being used more and more but i also think there's a bit of a counter movement where people want things to be handmade and they want them to not have so many elements of mm. robotics and programming in them. You can see that people, you know, instead of buying a mass-produced car, for example, some people will pay much more money for, you know, John from from the local car enthusiast club to, to make it for them instead. And I can see the attraction of that because it's imperfect. Yeah. So I would like to ask you about if we have this kind of robotics that maybe take jobs of people who are doing this kind mm. of job. And it's kind of a question whether this technology is we developing, we care about how it would lead to social inequality. Are you afraid about that? Because if we develop technology and we don't consider the consequences behind it, are you afraid about that? This maybe one day many people will lose jobs, people who are not involved in technology or digital world. So are you afraid about that? It's a good question. It's particularly uh, the best example that I see every day is if you go to the supermarket yeah. and you have the um, self-service checkouts. Mm-hmm. So, in you know, even 10 years ago, you might have 30 people working on the checkout. Nowadays, you have 20 people working on the checkout and then one person managing 10 lots of self-service checkouts. So you've lost nine jobs already there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that is because it's quicker for people like me who prefer self-service to, to do it themselves. Um, but I do worry about that because it changes the way that the job market works. Mm. And I don't think, I don't feel like we've adapted correctly in order to rebalance the, the human work that can be put in. I think there needs to be more complex uh, jobs that humans can can do and there needs to probably be more of them like you know data entry is something that no human should have to do it's probably the most boring job available i cannot imagine anything worse than copying and typing in ones and zeros into a computer now that surely is the sort of job that should be being done by machines Mm -hmm. but on the other hand 
there should be, you know, is there enough work for humans to do that requires human input? Probably not at this stage. So I, so I think there is a struggle there. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I think that that's a, an area that needs mm-hmm. looking into. So if I imagine that you can have an answer or a solution for that, what you yeah. can guess could be a solution to the rebalancing between the, the technologies that enhancing and the human also don't lose your jobs. What could be a solution you can guess? Yeah, because you don't want to you don't want to go backwards, do you? You don't want to I mean some people would say get rid of the self service checkouts because mm-hmm. it, it loses the human touch and get those te- you know, those nine other people back behind the tills. Yeah. Maybe that maybe that is the solution. Um maybe stop technology coming in but you don't want to be what are they called are they called the luddites who smashed up all the machines that were making shoes you know <laughs> hundreds of years ago you don't want to smash up the technology because you're afraid of it you should be using the technology so the solution i don't know it's too mm-hmm. hard of a question to tackle i think <laughs> i'll leave it to the experts so if i ask you what do you think the most misconceptions about robotics and artificial intelligence around us what could be misconception you think or something you understood in the past and then oh that's not true yeah i think that people people think it's a lot cleverer than it is Mm -hmm. people think people think it's a lot more advanced than it is and i'm talking more about the you know if you're programming a newsreader if you're programming um you know a computer that talks back to you Mm -hmm. you you can At the moment, you can write in a few clever, funny answers. So if you say, oh, how are you feeling today, uh, computer? The computer will go, oh, well, better than yesterday. Ha, ha, ha. You know, that's a human who's put that funny response in. But people believe it. I think people buy into the technology too much. They they assume that it's cleverer than it is, and they're more ready to assign human characteristics to it than than perhaps they should be. They need to be a bit more skeptical about the technology. It's brilliant what it can do. And, you know, some of the algorithms that they come up with for, you know, gaming, I mentioned I'm interested in gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I noticed that you, you might be talking about this Go player who plays this the Chinese game Go, where, yeah. you know, it's a very complicated game. Mm-hmm. Um, and the computer has now become so good at this game mm-hmm. that that humans are now no longer able to compete on the same level. So it's amazing at certain specific tasks like that. Although having said that, I don't think that the computer is having fun when they're playing Go. And when I do think that the human is, mm. if the human wins, that you are having fun. So to program a computer to be very good at chess, for example, mm-hmm. I saw, I don't really see the point because surely the point of playing chess and beating an opponent is the fact that you've used your resources to overcome it. There's no kind of victory feeling or happiness feeling yeah. from, from the robot as far as, you know, as far as my understanding goes. Yeah. So because the player qu- quits the game. So do you think this mm. is like, because I don't know how you comment about that when we quit the game. Mm. I don't know why you would give up because you're not, surely you're not trying to say there's no point playing this game because I can never beat the computer. Mm-hmm. Surely, surely you're trying to say, I'm the best human at this game. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a level playing field, is it? You know, if some, if some computer can work out every possible iteration and pick the best one and therefore win 100% of the time, 
so what? You know, that's like saying you could program a computer to uh, play Bach's G minor unaccompanied violin solo perfectly. Well, so what? You know, it's not. Surely the enjoyment should come from you as a human mm-hmm. thinking and interacting and overcoming an opponent. Mm-hmm. But that opponent being a robot, I don't. I think is is not a valid. You know, it's not a valid matchup. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, if I ask you about your imagination, how would you foresee robotics in the future? Something you would like to see in robotics, and you didn't haven't seen yet. I'd like to see um, robotics filling in for um, areas where there's a lack of human um, capability. So, for example, in hospitals, mm-hmm. you can you see, and I think it's some. It might be in Japan actually, where they've developed certain types of robots that can you know dispense pills or remind you know people who are elderly who need to take daily pills they'll give them a reminder you know oh by the way have you remembered to take this but then more than that it will say here they are and it will kind of you know pop them out and and tell you to take them in a certain order so something like that is really useful just as a kind of reminder service i think that in healthcare mm-hmm. there could be even more use of Uh, robots, maybe surgery, for example, um, and I think that that is a good thing because statistically, robots are better than humans. And it's like with you know self-driving cars, for example, everybody starts panicking every time a self-driving yeah. car crashes. Well, how many crashes a day are there from human drivers? Far, far, far more. You know. Yes, sometimes the programming in a self-driving car misses that you know it gets blindsided by a white side of a van, and the programming didn't take that into account. Mm-hmm. But you can adapt that and improve it. You know, it's always going to be better than human drivers. As soon as self-driving cars are cheap enough, I'll get one and I'll get in it happily, and I'll, I'll be one of the very first people to try them out because I think that's what the technology should be for. Mm-hmm. Why should I sit and concentrate for two and a half hours to drive? But I could do something else. So I think it will. That is that. That probably will be one of the biggest improvements. And I, and I hope it comes. I hope it comes very quickly. Yeah, but I think now there's people argue that still the technology is not reliable enough. Yeah, and that's, that's why right. some people wanted to have the technology already in the market and they can use it. Well, yeah. other people are skeptical that this could be reliable. So you yeah. you wanted to see something uh, very soon. Yes, I, I think that the technology at the moment is actually more reliable than humans, but I think that the standards are higher for machines and robots. Mm-hmm. I think that if you, if everybody in the world was driving an automatic car, I think that the amount of crashes that there would be would go down hugely, absolutely hugely. Even if the technology is unreliable, because the only time you ever hear about those incidents mm-hmm. are when it's happened once. I mean, every, every day on the roads, a plane's worth of people crash in their cars and die. I mean, it, that that wouldn't happen if robots were on the roads. I'm I'm sure. I mean, I might be wrong, but I'm convinced of it at the moment. So, I like I say, I'd like to see it, and I'd like to see it much sooner. Because I, see, you know, people nowadays they sit and look at their phones all the time. I see it every day. You know, mm-hmm. at the traffic lights, check the phone. Um, driving at 70 miles an hour on the motorway they check their phone but they don't yeah they, they don't want to pay attention so the technology unfortunately mm-hmm. has, has to adapt because otherwise i think that's going to become a more of a problem in the future mm-hmm. so i would like to ask you about 
artificial intelligence, since we still see that now many, maybe hype, sort of hype, maybe something really good is happening. But you can know that everything around us is just centered around making everything intelligently done. So some guesses say that there's a problem about the bias in, in designing algorithm, like soup dispenser can distinguish colored skin, can't really distinguish colored skin. Do you mm. think this kind of bias is due to lack of diversity in technology, or maybe it's due to education in different demographic regions, so that they can't really take in consideration different perspective and at ending up being biased? Yeah, I, I know what you mean by that. I think that um, it's like with spacesuits, isn't it? You designed spacesuits in the first instance for men because men were the astronauts. And I read an article recently saying that there's not as much technology available for female uh, astronauts because mm -hmm. the original bias was that obviously only men could be astronauts. So mm -hmm. therefore, they only designed them for a specific body size, a specific body type, and it was all for men. Mm -hmm. And I do think that when it comes to innovation, people always start with the majority, or, or uh, not the majority, but the, the kind of the largest percentage, they, they won't start developing for the minority, first of all. Mm -hmm. So like, like you mentioned with um, distinguishing between skin color, mm -hmm. the initial design will not take anything like that into account. Yeah. And I think that that's wrong. I think that if you're going to design a spacesuit, you should design it for men and women, and that the money should go into it altogether. Mm -hmm. I think that if you're designing a new innovation, um, that, you know, is to do, like, let's say they design some kind of algorithm to do with reducing skin cancer and, and yeah. the sun, and they, they find some way of the perfect robot that can apply suntan lotion in the perfect way for white skin. Well, why should they only be able to develop that element of it? It should be inclusive. And I don't know if that's a lack of diversity from the scientific teams, I guess, historically, that might have been the case. I think that nowadays efforts are being made to kind of make sure that there's a range of experiences when it comes to designing things like this. But I, I think that any proposals should have to factor in a wider variety mm -hmm. of, of cases, which mm -hmm. I, I think historically they haven't, like, like the spacesuit being the best example. Yeah, yeah. So about the using of technology for the good and bad and that's why something some people are really concerned about it and who's mm. having the technology at the end of the day whether countries or certain groups like for example you hear about fake videos and fake news do you think mm. that we should stifle the innovation because some guesses say that we can stifle innovation since we don't know we, maybe some countries doesn't have regulation to cope with this advanced technology it's like there's a trade-off between how government work and how technology is advancing more than the regulations that the country have. Are you concerned mm. about that? Yeah, I suppose I'm privileged because uh, in the UK, yeah. where I live, the regulations that we have are better than quite a lot of other countries. Mm -hmm. um, you hear about cases of, you know, unchecked development in in other countries and i think that can be a problem mm -hmm. especially because unfortunately without regulations people will do anything 
and even sometimes with regulations they'll still do it anyway yeah like there was there was a very recent case i think it was even something i read in the news today where one scientist in china yeah has sent to jail for yeah. three years for gene editing babies yeah. even though it was prohibited at the university that he was working at so despite the regulation he still went ahead and did it and i suspect that you know there will be underground scientists who don't care about the rules mm. and will just do it anyways but that doesn't mean there shouldn't be a regulation there so i think that it's a very hard question isn't it you know a country that doesn't have such good regulation should they be allowed to just develop anyway and let the regulations catch up afterwards Hmm. probably not um you have to follow the models that are working the best and i think that the models that there are in america and the uk are probably the best models that there are they're they're probably not perfect Hmm. um but it is it it could be dangerous yes you're right it could be dangerous Mm -hmm. that's a really interesting point and i would like to ask you how we can make sure wizards community or industry or countries how we can make sure that developed technology with robotics or ai could be beneficial to humanity as a whole how we can Mm. make sure that yeah i think the best way of doing that is probably funding and money and making sure that you know grants for useful research are given out more readily Mm -hmm. Um, you want there to be support for sectors that will be helping people in their lives rather than you know can you it's difficult because businesses will go well we you know we don't necessarily want to help people we want it to to make cars in the most efficient way or we want it to you know save us money like like deliver things direct to people's doors if mm-hmm. that's cheaper than a human then that's going to drive the the, the development so it, it must be surely up to the the, the controlling bodies like government to actually come mm-hmm. in and say uh fine you can have a bit of that but we would like our focus and our priority to be on things that help people mm-hmm. and so therefore we're going to make money available or we're going to approve proposals from those kind of areas more readily uh than others so i think that that is probably the best way of controlling it mm-hmm. so uh, i would like to ask you since i saw some videos about um US military is saying that they are maybe upset because Google, for example, is working with China and at the same time trying to work with US military. Mm. It's something like struggle because I, I, I'm just asking you about lay people who are not involved in this kind of technology. Mm. Are they aware of what is happening around them? Because I think it's just like we have to follow what big leaders do or certain mm. companies, what's just to shape how the area around us is moving. So I don't know how, how do you see lay people think about that or people not involved in that? Because it's yeah. one day, oh, we have this kind of uh, new uh, like strategy we have to follow and, and other countries so just follow the lead. Yes, I see what you mean. So one country will take the lead yeah. and other countries will follow. There is something, yes, uh, you mentioned that countries work together I think in a military capacity, it's very worrying if one country decided that actually, you know, the best way forward was to have, uh, I mean, I know we have drones already that fight in wars, but if one country was to invest hugely in a kind of human that had a robotic suit that made it a super soldier, I mean, you know, you hear 
I'm mentioning computer games at the beginning, you know, some mm. of the futuristic computer games like Metal Gear Solid, they talk about, you know, futuristic soldiers with implants and, you know, battle awareness and adrenaline, you know, that can fire in at any point to give you an advantage and stuff like that. I think that's very worrying. And I think if one country like America was to go, right, we're going to develop a super soldier, we're going to have jetpacks, we're going to have, you know, the best gun you've ever seen, we're going to have, like, yeah. the super tank, you know... That's quite a worrying thing if other countries just went, well, we need to catch up with that. If there was another kind of arms race mm -hmm. driven by AI, mm -hmm. uh, that would be worrying. I think there are, there are, you know, controls on that in a way in that, if, you know, you've got treaties and things like the European Union and uh, you know, nuclear weapons treaties and things like that. So I think... It seems to be in check at the moment, but like you say, if somebody just decided to make it, everyone else would have to catch up, wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, which could lead to a problem. I think the only, this is a strange point to make, but I have thought about this before. Mm -hmm. If all of warfare removed the human element and the only thing that you were doing in war was actually fighting your droids and your robots mm -hmm. against the opposition droids and robots, no human life would be lost let's say that's the way it goes mm -hmm. you wouldn't have any human casualties would that be better that's a good because, question yeah you know nobody would be dying and then so let's say you get to that point and you get to the point where america has developed a super army of just robots and drones and they fight i don't know china with a super army of robots and drones well instead of spending all that money why don't they go back to what they used to do thousands of years ago and just get the kings or queens or the leaders to just play a game of chess and whoever wins wins isn't it the same thing <laughs> yeah that's a very good actually i thought about that but yeah i agree with you 100 percent. Yeah. yeah yeah so that leads me to the question do you think any decision has a significant impact should be made by human only why am i saying that because some companies like unilever do you have uh a system that can recruit people based on certain questions and mm. based on that you can be um, clarified to another stage of that recruitment process. Do you think yeah. that dehumanizing workplace first is a good thing? Because some companies just towards using uh, AI or touch systems. And yeah. yeah, that's first question you can answer. And yeah. I think that um, if a company is going to use uh, an algorithm to pick the best candidates, Yeah. then all they're going to get is the sort of people who are very good at answering the questions that give the right answer. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get a workforce of people who know how to seem like they're the perfect candidate, but mm -hmm. they might not actually be the perfect candidate. They just know how to fill in the boxes. They just know the right words, to put, the keywords to put in that, that the algorithm goes, ah, oh, yes, well done you're you're you know people who know how to play the system and i think you don't get a very balanced workforce from that some people are very for example some people are very bad at taking exams mm -hmm. some people are very bad at um writing essays but it doesn't mean that they're worthless or that they don't deserve the same job as somebody else it just means that they're better at playing that particular element of the system so i really don't like um, that that way of doing things. Now, I don't mind it if you've got a thousand applicants, right? Mm -hmm. And you've got one job, 
it's not realistic to interview everybody. You've got to have some kind of criteria to cut down screen. The number. Mm. Yes, exactly. you've got to screen, and I don't mind it on a screening basis. And maybe that screening, you know, you say, well, we need people who have a degree who have achieved a two-one. Now, I accept that means that you might lose the world's best person at that job who happened to get a two-two in their degree. I got two-two in my degree. Mm-hmm. You know, I might not be able to get that job because I don't meet the particular criteria. But unfortunately, unfortunately, that's you can't. You just cannot physically interview a thousand people. So you have to have any kind of benchmark to cut down the numbers whether it's fair or unfair, you've got to just do something. Um, I do think that people who uh, are going to succeed will do it regardless of, you know, you might not get that job with Unilever or whoever, but if you're going to succeed, you might make it on your own. Mm -hmm. You might set up your own business. You know, people who don't do well academically on paper tend to be quite creative. Mm -hmm. So I think you can make it work. But yes, I think it leads to a, a... a not a very balanced workforce and you you're getting the same kind of person mm-hmm. which the system selects for and i've read you know i've, I've read articles that says it, it discriminates against minorities mm-hmm. as well or the the other situation where it false balances in favor of minorities because that becomes a criteria of the selection process and and that you get a bonus point which because of your ethnicity. I cannot imagine a situation where that's a good idea. Can you? Mm, yeah. You should just get the best person for the job. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, algorithms, I don't know if they are that useful. Mm-hmm. So do you think that how you see the cooperation, if you assume that we were using and take in consideration this criteria, not being biased or discriminate based on ethnicity, how you would see cooperation between human workplace, if you imagine that, with robots or intelligent system? Do you think this kind of can we understand or still challenging if you assume this scenario? Hmm. So humans and 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 workplace with the robots yeah, or intelligent system. Together. I think yeah. I'm just trying to think of the sort of jobs that that would happen in. Uh, I'm trying to think of. I mean, it does happen in our job in radio broadcasting in a way because some of the things that we do are controlled by uh algorithms for for example if you've made a program about i don't know a type of music i'm just just made Mm -hmm. a program about um pop music from south korea yeah Um, if you want that to be discovered more you have to you know play the system you have to put the correct tags in so that people who are interested in that kind of thing can pick up that kind of work so you have to have an appreciation of the algorithm that that uh, leads to people finding your program so yeah. you you do it does come up a bit in my work i guess it's more prominent um in more mechanical settings and in big industry um i worry though because you hear of instances where people get caught in mm. machines because the machine isn't programmed to stop if there's a human-shaped person in it by mistake. Um, so I worry about that. Um, and that's the problem with a computer, is that it will keep following the instructions mm-hmm. till it breaks. <laughs> so, you know, if, if th- this is what people worry about with the, the laws of robotics, 
mm-hmm. is if you program a computer to never harm humans, mm-hmm. or what if the robot sees a situation where it's only going to harm one human in one way, or it's going to harm 10 humans in another way. So what calculation does it make to mm-hmm. save the most amount of lives? And and like, like in some of the films you see, maybe the computer comes to the conclusion that it should just kill one person because it will save 10 lives. So you get the, the you know, the, the machine with a gun going around and, and murdering certain individuals that the algorithm says is bad. Yeah. So that's kind of the ultimate worry, isn't it? That that, that could happen. But mm. well, we're not there yet, thankfully. Yeah. So if I ask you about the ethics of regulation, for instance, some people are just like controlling the policy around us. So, like, I have this kind of misusing the algorithms or that developed for getting uh, the personal data of certain citizen. Mm. How how do you think that do you think the regulation we have now is enough, or some people how we can make sure that people have this ethical consideration? Do you think this is something mm. still still worrying you because you see some like preaching for this technology? Yeah, what you because people can also data mine, can't they? So yeah. you know, it, it, well, I worry about it for elections particularly. Mm. Uh, targeted adverts on Facebook and you know using algorithms like that. I mean, it's something that has become a problem, probably in the last five or ten years. And the fake fake news thing, I think you mentioned before, that's yeah. something that comes up, isn't it? Quite often, if you can make an advert on Facebook let's yeah. say, and it targets a particular political party. And it's just not factually, it's just incorrect. Like you just, whatever you say, you say whatever you want, this person uh, is a murderer, right? And they're not. Whether it's true or not, the algorithm can feed that to people who are more likely to believe it than others. Because, y- you know, you can pick up someone's political affiliation on Facebook if they, li- if you like 10 pages that say that you're conservative, then Facebook will know that you're conservative, so it might feed you an advert that's anti-labor, for example. Um, and and you and you know everything online tends to be an echo chamber, like Twitter. Mm. I follow people who are interested in radio and gaming and radio broadcasting. So all I see all day is people talking about what games they like, what radio shows that they're listening to, and do you just see what I mean? It becomes yeah. a big echo chamber. So I see that, that the algorithm shows me things that I want to see, mm. which I think that I agree with. So I don't know, I think it makes it a more divisive world because of that. And if ever somebody from outside of your sphere accidentally falls into it, there's a big argument, you know? <laughs> so I, I I do worry about that. And I do think that, you know, some people love this kind of technology. Mm-hmm. And they think it's great because it's give, you know, targeted advertising. It's giving you the sort of thing that you might buy. There's no point you know, targeting, advertising me um, shoes that are size six because I'm a size 13, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm never going to buy them. Whereas if you target certain things to me, I'll go, oh, that's interesting, and I might buy it. So, yeah, I think that people need to be careful. I think I think that's going to be the battle of the future mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. is the online world of algorithms. Yeah, um, I agree. So do you think that maybe it's kind of education, early education, this can be a solution? Are you thinking that education may be a way or tool mm. that we can yes. instill this kind of ethics or regulation? Do you think this could yeah. be a solution or not so easy, as you think? 
I think it is. It could be quite easy. I think if you, one of the best things that I had at school, yeah, in my English lessons actually, and this wasn't part of our curriculum, but the teacher decided to give us a lesson,、mm-hmm. uh, was basically it was with a newspaper, and he said, right, this newspaper is called the Mirror. Now, why do you think it's called the Mirror? And it, I thought I've never thought of that question. Why is it called the Mirror?、Mm. Right, it's called the Mirror because it's supposed to reflect. What's happening in the world?、Mm-hmm. I never would have thought of that, right? So, so because it's called the mirror, it makes you think that what it's saying is true.、Mm. Uh, the telegraph, you know, what is a telegraph? What is a telegraph pole? Well, it's broadcasting. So it's, you know, all these things. You need to look at basically semantics. So what 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 are they trying to tell you by the type of font that they use, or are they trying to tell you by the attitude that the the,、um, the editorial stance that they take? You know, certain newspapers like the Daily Mail have a certain stance. The Telegraph has a certain stance. But if you if you don't appreciate it or you don't realise that that's going on, then you can't make a decision aside from the well, I would call it spin, but you know what I mean. The, the, aside from the the thing that's been put in there, yeah, next to the facts. So I think that you can if you tell people to. To think, you know, if some a news story comes up on Twitter, yeah, check check as best as you can that it's real. You know, people put up quotations from famous people all the time,、mm-hmm. but most most of them aren't real. Most of them are just made up, but they just want to get loads of likes because it makes them feel better. So as long as you can try your best to to check the sources, which is something I think the BBC does better than most.、Um, I think that's that's the way to do it, but but people need to be aware. They need to take it into their own hands, and and sadly,、mm-hmm. not everybody can be bothered to do that. And I get it because life is busy. Life is, you know, you haven't got, I haven't got half an hour to check every single thing I see on Twitter. But take it all with a pinch of salt. And I do think that's something that could be taught in schools because I was, I, like I say, I only had one lesson on it, but it really changed the way that I thought about、mm-hmm. the kind of information that I see and 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 even the kind of information that I'm. Fed、mm-hmm. by the algorithm that is, you know, well, Google in my case, but but whatever whatever people use, you know. Yeah, I can't agree more with this point. I stress this very important point. And since you work in this industry, I don't know. This is really important. How you make sure that you make sure the sources are genuine and you check everything、mm. you do. Yeah, this is something,、yeah. uh, and how we make sure no bias also in reporting news. I think this is really important to. And you're in in your business you're working on. Yeah, it's the it's the hardest thing to do, isn't it? I mean, yeah. That basically the rule that we that we have just at the BBC, which is different to some places, is you need to check with not one but two sources that something that's being reported is true. Now you、yeah. can never be a hundred percent sure, but if two individual separate sources are saying something that aren't related to each other. It's more likely to be true.、Mm-hmm. There's a very good case of this、um, not so long ago when a famous singer called、uh, Cilla Black、mm-hmm. was reported was reported to have died, and every newspaper, every TV station, everywhere in the whole country was reporting that, according to reports, Cilla Black has died.、Mm-hmm. The BBC waited because there was only one source to confirm that story. So the BBC waited for a second source for confirmation,、mm-hmm. and only then decided that on on balance it was likely to be true, regardless of what the rest of everybody else was saying. 
Um, and that's the hardest thing. It, but it's not about being first. It's about doing the best that you can. So it could have still been not true. Uh, it could have been that two sources were lying, but it's much, much less likely. And so that's the kind of check that we put on in order to make sure that it has the best chance of being true. But that also means yeah. that we're very often not first with the information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But would you rather be first or would you rather be correct? Well, it's different for different organizations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you, yeah, you can never, you know, what is a fact? Nothing is ever 100% true. All you can do is try and present it in a, in a non-spun way. And I think that the best thing that happens is that if you get a thousand complaints that you're too biased towards the left and a thousand complaints that you're too biased towards the right, which happens very often, you're probably doing it about right. Yeah, I agree. So since we say that a human shouldn't or must must not be killed by a, a machine, and this is like emulation for a human being, and robots must respect a human, I think this is something we have to consider. Do you think as human, we have to respect robots. Why I'm saying that? Because there is a researcher from Germany, they are developing artificial nervous system aimed mm. to teaching robots to feel pain. Yes. And if you saw some videos about Boston Dynamics, they try to uh, like kick the robots to see how can injure and readjust mm. the movement. Some mm. people say this is like emulation to robot, and others say that's like hoax. Robots just metal and don't have emotion. Mm. What do you think that? Do you think that we have really like teaching curriculum in school for kids to respect robots or is this something like a hoax? I think if a robot is programmed to feel pain and the robot feels, now feels is an interesting word, but if the robot feels like it's experiencing pain, then yeah. you have to respect that. Um, I mean, this is this is this is the problem I run into when it comes to robots. Yeah, humans really are the same as robots in a way. We are we have certain inputs will lead to certain outputs. So if you kick my leg, I'm going to go ow and it's going to hurt, right? Yeah. If you program a robot to feel an input which then results in an expression of pain, uh, is that any different? Um, well. You know, yeah. that's the ultimate question, isn't it? Because it's been programmed. It, it depends if, if you believe that the programming has led to an actual uh, synapse and a, and a command and, an, and a result, if you think that that's the same as what humans experience. Now, I think if you make computers so good and so clever that they can mimic those reactions you just have to decide whether you believe that it's it's just mimicking or if it is in fact so advanced that it's just exactly the same as a human and i think that that there will come a point where ai mm-hmm. is so good that it will probably be able to not only mimic humans but perhaps be able to get past that and that's 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 the point that I don't believe we're at. But when we get to that point, you know, could a could a robot be programmed to come up with some new kind of understanding? I suppose that's what we're kind of waiting for, isn't it, at the moment? But mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it's a hoax. I think I think um, we're not there yet. 
So mm -hmm. at, at the moment, if they say, well, we've kicked the robot and it's expressing pain, well, I don't believe that. I think it's just commands that have been repro mm. you know, reproduced. I don't, I don't believe it's real, but I do think there could come a point where it's so good that actually it really is experiencing pain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if I ask you how you would envision intelligence or robots, if I ask you what do you see intelligent robot, what kind of intelligence behavior you would see in robotics? If you have any examples you saw already, or you something you can envision? Yeah, they say that if you plug enough computers together that they can become self-aware. Um, I'd like to know what that means if they have a, an, an experience that's beyond what's programmed. Um, I don't think I've seen anything that would convince me at this stage that a robot is truly, truly self-aware. And maybe that's where I'm missing out. You know, maybe someone could say to me, mm -hmm. actually, the, you know, this is an example of a robot that is self-aware. I think they're very clever. I think the programming is very good. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think that they're amazing in, in medical situations. And I think that being able to repeat an action, you know, 99.999% of the time with no deviation or errors is an incredible, incredible feat. But I don't think that there is true intelligence, mm -hmm. which I described earlier as, you know, being able to create something that a human didn't program you to do. I haven't seen any evidence of that yet, but I do think computers are amazing. You know, they, they can drive better than me. So if you, if you would call that intelligence, I think that's just a very good programming, mm -hmm. then yes, I, I think that, you know, when it comes to things like flying an airplane on autopilot, for example, uh, a plane can do it w without, you know, without the need to see, you, you, you know, if there's clouds, the pilot might go, oh, I can't see what I'm doing, although you'd know from the sensors, but the, the plane can also pilot the takeoff, the landing, Mm -hmm. thousands and thousands and thousands of flights every day with you know such a small percentage of error mm -hmm. so yeah that's what i would say so here is a hypothetical question do you think we can recreate a really a soul inside a robot because some groups try to really leverage the robots maybe this take 100 years maybe 150 mm. years do you think that we can come to the point that can we create a soul, whatever definition from your perspective, a soul? Yeah, I mean, I personally, um, a soul has a religious element to it, mm -hmm. which I uh, don't personally believe in. So I'm not a religious person, okay. but I do believe that uh, humans have some kind of spark, not necessarily created by God, but I do think there's something that differentiates humans from, you know, this table that I'm looking at right now, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and I do believe that in, however long it takes there will come a point where ai will become so good that it will be like another species mm -hmm. um and what i like actually there's a there's a really good um computer game which explores this quite uh thoroughly it's a series actually called mass effect uh, and in the series uh, basically what happens is artificial intelligence is so good that it can uh, replicate you know robots can replicate and uh, robots can, uh, you know, <laughs> think in a way, make decisions based on programming. Uh, if they have an injury, they'll repair themselves. I can 
genuinely see a situation where robots would be able to reproduce and you know essentially be like another species mm-hmm. um i don't know how long it will be but it could be you know a thousand years but i think that people will try to limit it when it gets close to that point i think humans will worry that what happens if they subvert the programming what happens if they decide that humans need to be wiped out because it's better for the environment you know mm-hmm. uh, but i can see it i i can see it and uh i think it's the way it will go that's interesting so if i ask you about elderly do you think how you see robots now can really help elderly people yeah there's this um loneliness is such a huge problem isn't it mm-hmm. uh, and you see it all the time and uh, you know I, i i i think that robots can help like if like i said before if people believe that they're talking to somebody but it's actually a computer program mm-hmm. if they feel happy and the programming if they, if they believe that they're talking to somebody and that helps with the loneliness then that's fine mm-hmm. but i do think that it's a bit of a sad solution. Mm. But it can help. So it's I'm sort of a bit torn because if they don't know that it's not a you know that it's just a simulation that can I don't know I don't I it's about knowing isn't it? It's yeah. about what it's whether you believe it or not. If if you believe that you're talking to somebody yeah. and that you're not lonely and you're happier then who am I to say that that's a problem? You are convinced with the recent technology we have. You are convinced with or not? I am not personally convinced, but mm-hmm. uh, I am quite interested in technology. I think that people who, you know, if you haven't thought about it a lot, and 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 not sort of, I'm not being rude, but if you if you don't know a huge amount about technology and this Alexa arrives through the post and you say, "What's the weather, Alexa?" and it goes, "Oh, it's a nice day outside," and that makes you feel like you've got a friend in the house. Then that's then then that might be a really nice thing for some people. I I don't mm. assign human characteristics to it, and I actually find it a bit annoying, and I'm worried that it's listening to me all the time, so I don't like it. <laughs> But if people like it and it makes their day better, then why not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you speak to people, very I mean, family or friends mm. about robotics, or AI, are they really interested in them or just? Oh, that's something most interesting at all. How do you feel yeah. about it? Yeah, I think it's uh, it comes up in conversation a lot more now that the technology is um, it seems to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's voice activation or if it's technology that's coming in cars. I mean, we talk about driverless cars quite a lot just mm-hmm. at home. We talk. We, we have an Alexa, even though I haven't plugged it in. Um, we've decided that we don't want it. We talk about whether our phones are listening to us all the time. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm convinced that when I The other day we had a conversation about snoring, mm-hmm. uh, and suddenly I got lots of targeted adverts on my phone about anti-snoring uh, remedies. Mm-hmm. Now I've never searched for snoring remedies or done it. The only thing I've ever done is I've said it near my phone. Mm-hmm. Now whether that's a coincidence or not, it does it does worry you. So it, I think people are talking about it more and more nowadays, especially that this technology is coming into people's homes. becoming an extra family member in some cases um it's it's on people's minds a lot more so i'm glad you're doing a podcast like this to talk about it great so let me ask you if you have any robots at your home 
do I have any robots at home? Um, I don't believe that I do. I would have in the past, though, like the Christmas presents that I mentioned, mm-hmm. and some of the things that I used to play with, you know, programmable stuff. Yeah. Um, as far as robots, I would say no, although I think that a lot of the technology is around. So if I ask you what kind of robot you wish to have or something, you wish really a robot can do something for you, you imagine, oh, I, I wish this robot can be exist. Yeah, I would say if there was a robot that could um, perfectly do all of my laundry, that would be the absolute dream because I really hate ironing. So I would like to see a robot where it would not only take the laundry out of the laundry basket, put it in yeah. the washing machine, dry it, and then iron it and place it perfectly in a pile. Because that's what I think robots should be for. Mm-hmm. to save me time. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So I would like to ask you about the Naked Gaming Podcast. I think it is interesting. Yeah. And I think many people are interested in this kind of gaming podcast. So could you please tell us more about podcasts, what you're doing? Because you have an interesting episode about... Yeah. So um, basically, I I looked around and I thought there isn't that much um, material available for uh, items and features about gaming and gaming news specifically. So there's lots of places we'll do reviews of new games, which we do do. But for example, uh, one of the things that I discovered recently was that, um, and, and you might find this interesting actually, that um, you can scan likenesses of people into computer games. And mm-hmm. there's companies that do this all the time. Uh, they'll take a picture from your face, a selfie, for example, you should take a selfie on your phone, a picture, send it off to the company, and 20 minutes later, they'll send it back to you, and you can put that on your in-game avatar. So you can appear yeah. mm-hmm. in the game that you're playing. How interesting is that as mm. a concept for the future of gaming? You know, we talk about algorithms. Well, they use 10 years' worth of data to assign points on your face onto the character model um, in the game that you're playing. Mm-hmm. So what an interesting way of using algorithms to actually enhance or change your gaming experience. Now, the, the concern is obviously a lot of young kids play computer games. So is it right that 16-year-olds should have their actual faces in a game? Well, what an interesting discussion. So we talk about stuff like that, really. And sometimes we talk to, you know, um, big guests from companies like, um, you know, you might have heard of, uh, the Far Cry series, for example, yeah. first-person shooter, very famous. Uh, so the developers will come on and talk to us about their new game. Uh, but we, we keep it quite light-hearted as well. I think there's a tendency for gaming to become a bit geeky. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, well, firstly, um, me and my fiance do this podcast together. She's a she likes games. She likes kind of old games like Mario and. Uh, you know, Crash Bandicoot and stuff like that. But we 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 have a lot a lot of fun, and it's really fun because we record it in our living room, um, <laughs> and uh, we have a sort of uh, a house rabbit that yeah. makes the occasional appearance. Bailey, who's actually he's been chucked outside right now, so I can talk to you so that he doesn't interrupt. Um, but we don't take things too seriously. But it's just a way of people learning about yeah. games and and finding out something that they maybe didn't know by the end of it. So we try and do that. Cool. So if I ask you what was the kind of factual character from fiction that you would like to be, what would be this character? Uh, 
what uh, uh, a fictional character what would i like to be yeah uh that's a good question i would like to be uh why don't i pick someone from a game i'd like to be sonic the hedgehog because uh i think you can get around the place very quickly so that'd be wonderful <laughs> also there is a, like the shape the recent version you like the recent version um oh a recent version um uh what else could i say um uh i've been reading actually i've been reading um I'm reading a lot of books recently, so I'd probably be a, a spy or something from a book. Um, something like James Bond, why not? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, if I ask you for what is your goals or you would like to have to achieve? And because you you're working in in this industry and mm. newspaper and you have a naked gaming podcast. It's yeah. nice completion. So, what's next steps you would like to achieve? Um I think we're going to just I mean we're, we're always looking for more listeners. Um it's nice to get the feedback that we get. It seems like people enjoy what we're doing. Yeah. I think we'd like to to branch out into doing some video reviews because mm -hmm. it's quite fun to sort of see people playing the games while they talk about them. So I've just bought some um new technology like a a VR uh camera for the PlayStation so we can have a go at that. Um but yeah, that that's kind of it really. We just enjoy telling people about Yeah. our passions and, and gaming really so that's that's what we're looking to do in 2020 yeah so if i ask you what the best advice was given to you whether professionally or personally you would like to share with our audience yeah that's a good one isn't it um i think the best advice is uh whatever you do do it with passion so you don't have to be making a podcast or you don't have to be uh you know reviewing games mm -hmm. or whatever you're whatever you're doing just do it with some kind of passion mm -hmm. so if you're playing an instrument and that's your hobby outside of work don't just do it a bit do do it a lot you know really go for it and, and like i play guitar almost every day mm -hmm. i don't play in a band i don't play to anybody you'll never find a video of me doing it <laughs> anywhere but but i do it because i love it and and i i think if you just focus on what you like If you're doing something that's public, it will come across, and other people will hopefully mm -hmm. latch onto that enthusiasm uh, and either want to get involved or just be happy listening. Or you know, even if you're just going out with friends, you know, don't go out and sit in the corner and think, "Oh, I wish I was at home." Mm -hmm. If you're doing something, do it fully. You know, you're you're either doing it or you're not doing it. So once you're in, go for it. I would say that's a good one. Okay, and we're coming to the end. So I would like to, if you have any final words you would like to share with Softbotics community, final words you would like to add. Well, I just want to say thanks for inviting me on. It's been a real uh, interesting discussion and a real pleasure. And you've made me think about some things that I've had in the back of my mind for quite a long time. But to, to express my thoughts on them has kind of, uh, it's been an interesting exploration of what I really think. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we do all think about these things like robotics uh, and how they affect our daily lives. I think it's interesting that you've got uh, various discussions on it. So thank you for that. And uh, yeah, if, if you have any gaming fans that are particularly sure. interested in gaming, you know, check us out. I think uh, you're a good many, including me, yeah. because we're interested in the... 
<laughs> well, thank you for your support. I really Thanks appreciate so it. much, Chris. And it was a great pleasure to talk to you. And on behalf of IEEE REST Soft Robotics to see, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.